0: CanadianEvergreen.com is your trusted news source for all things green. Offering up-to-date news and stories from Canada's booming cannabis industry. Content you can trust from Black Press Media. Welcome to Off the Page, a weekly podcast produced by the Comox Valley Record. I'm Aaron Halstruck, a journalist with the record. Join me as we take a deeper look into the people and stories within the Comox Valley. Kayla Holbrook is the Manager of Education and Outreach with Project Watershed, an organization focusing on the protection and restoration of local watersheds and sensitive habitats. One of their largest and perhaps most eye-catching projects is Kuskusum on Comox Road near the 17th Street Bridge, which was the area of Fields Sawmill at one point in the Comox Valley. Welcome to the podcast, Kayla. thanks for having me. So for those who are maybe new to the Comox Valley or live outside of the area and they've driven by the site or have heard about it, what is Project Watershed's involvement with Cuscusam, and what is the project really all about?
1: The Cuscusam project is about restoring a piece of habitat, or what used to be habitat. So that's, as you mentioned, what used to be the field sawmill. So the field sawmill moved to that site in the 1940s and operated as a sawmill for many years, and then in 2004 it shut down and was left as a vacant lot since 2006. And Project Watershed in 2017 launched a fundraising campaign to start purchasing and restoring the property to natural habitat. So what we're looking to do is restore that property to natural habitat. We'll be regrading it down so that it's a natural sloped elevation going down toward like just like a natural stream sign would be, and then planting that with the appropriate plants for the
0: elevations, and eventually taking away the wall. And was this something always on the radar for Project Watershed or how did it catch the attention of the organization?
1: It's been on our radar and a lot of people in the Comox Valley for quite a long while, especially since the SAML shut down in 2004 really came to our attention when we did a symposium in 2008 that talked about the heart of our watershed which we feel is the estuary and a lot of people brought that forward and it seemed to have a lot of momentum and a lot of people were for the idea of doing something especially something like renaturalizing that area
0: and I know sometimes you see it when just for an example gas stations shut down and they're responsible for cleaning up the site and taking out the holding tanks in that particular piece of property for those who may don't know, or if you can give some background, why wasn't Field Sawmill responsible for restoring that particular site?
1: So actually 4 was the last owners of the property and they did remediate the site up to the levels that they were required at the time. So they went ahead and they dug a whole bunch of test pits and looked at the soils mm-hmm. and any soils that were found to be contaminated were shipped off the site and remediated and new soils fresh soils were shipped on and refilled those holes and that's why when you were driving by the field sawmill even when there was the concrete cap you would see pockets of trees growing up and most of those pockets were because that's where the new soil had been the concrete had broken and new soils had been placed in those areas so they did actually remediate it up to the standard
0: that was required at that time so those trees and that sort of circles back to something we talked about before we started recording which is a recent facebook post and social media post that you guys put out about some tree planting happening those trees that grew there obviously were not the native trees or the ones that maybe you want there
1: there are but in order to take off all of the concrete we had to take a lot of those trees Mm. we're having heavy equipment on site we needed to take off a lot of the brush that had grown up through the little bits of concrete. Mm. To remove the whole bit of concrete, you had to take most of that out. But now that it's gone and we've regraded a section of the site, we are replanting. We're planting that whole area that is uh, near the bridge and we've already, two weeks ago, we planted about 2,300 plants. And I think we have another 2,000 to plant this week. So that's Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. And we're looking for volunteers who like to plant to come help us.
0: And where do you get those trees from, or how do you determine what trees go on that site?
1: So we use native species, Mm -hmm. and we look to hollyhock flats, which is the site during it. And it's that natural area that you see right around the rotary viewing stand. So a lot of those species we'll use on the site. We also consulted with the Comox First Nation and use plants that would be naturally useful to First Nations peoples, like Sitka spruce was a traditional plant that had cultural significance,
0: so that's one of the plants that will be planted on the site as well. A lot of people, when the site was being disassembled, and even now when it's being worked on, saw this really large piece of property and there were always some talks of it perhaps being a site for a farmer's market or a Granville Island-style market and things like that. How was the decision process made in terms of not looking at that as an option, but wanting to restore it to its natural habitat.
1: So that conversation to do something different was held within the more the business community, not our bias being environmental, that's what we were always were thinking of, specifically because the site could be such a productive habitat, being right at the beginning of an estuary. Estuaries are some of the most productive habitats on the earth. and. Our estuary is one of the top estuaries in BC, so it's a very important estuary, it's quite large. We have herring spawn, we have bane sound. It's a very, very productive estuary. We have salmon species that go up and down the river. We felt that this was really a focus point for bringing back a lot of the productivity and health of our estuary that's been impacted by human development over the years. Specifically for salmon, salmon as I mentioned they have to migrate past that wall both as juveniles when they go out to sea and then again as adults when they go up. And seals have learned to use the wall quite effectively to catch salmon. They'll run salmon, scare salmon into the wall and place their young at the top so that when the salmon go into the wall they have nowhere to hide and they go up the wall right into the mouths of the baby seals that are waiting at the top so it's extremely effective for seals not great for salmon so that was another big reason that we looked towards having this site renaturalized And we felt that it wouldn't make a great site for any kind of economic activity because it is right in the floodplain and we're having more and more flooding and flood events. So that area probably wouldn't make great building space.
0: In terms of the timeline of the project, can you talk a little bit about when the work from the Project Watershed side started and what is the end goal? Where does this end?
1: So we started... As I said, we launched in 2017 our fundraising campaign, and then we purchased the property in 2020. After that, in 2021, we were able to really start the restoration process, as it were. So we took off all the concrete that, layered, that was on top of the site, as well as the asphalt, and we dug down and found more concrete and took that out too. So it took us a little longer than we were expecting. We wrapped everything up in March of taking off the concrete and asphalt. And those materials were crushed and removed from the site, and they went to different projects around town. So they're all recycled, which is something that we are really interested in, as well as the metal. There was a lot of rebar that was in that concrete, and it was also taken off the site and recycled. And any money that came out of those two places went back into the project. So it helped fund the next stage of the project, which happened this summer. And that was digging down to natural streamside elevations. So we, as you can see, the site is now at the north end, has been regraded and it goes slopes down to the wall. And that will be how it looks when we remove the wall. It's sloping down natural, more natural grade than before. And we will continue that next year. So we got about a third of the way, perhaps this year. And next year we'll finish up regrading the site, digging out soils. Shipping those soils to places in town, we are, as I mentioned, looking at the contamination of those soils, and if we need to, shipping them to Campbell River, where they can be remediated. And we also started this year planting. So we did a small plant in April as a test plant, and we planted about 400 plants, it went really well. And then uh, two weeks ago, we planted another 2,300 plants. And then this week, at the end of this week, we have another planting coming up, and that will be another 2,000 plants or so. And those plants all come from some side native plants. They're all native species, and we're hoping to get them in the ground really quick so that they get a really good head start before
0: it gets too cold here and too much rain. Can you describe a little bit about what the site, from a visual perspective, will look like? It sounds like there's an awful lot of emphasis on bringing back the native plants, having a lot of landscaping in place. Is that the end goal?
1: The end goal is to make it look very much like hollyhock flats down next to it, or a natural stream side. When we get the water coming in, the tidal waters coming in, and the water from the upper watersheds coming down there's a place for those waters to spread out and so the lower elevations where the salt tolerant plants are they or the marsh plants they will help soak up and give space to those waters we will be taking the wall out probably in 2024 and that will allow the site to be completely used as part of the river used by salmon and other native species And that's our real goal for the site, for it to be integrated into the river and the site next to it as a natural, contiguous habitat section.
0: From a fiscal perspective, you touched on it a little bit about the fundraising that you've had to do. What is the total cost of the project and how far away are you from hitting that goal? So the total
1: cost of the project, this includes the purchasing of the site and the remediation is going to fall in this $8 million range. We've already raised the three and a bit, whatever million for the purchase of the property. So that's done and we're we've well on the way to having raised all of the restoration funds. We're about 75% towards our final goal, which means we have around a million and a half left to raise, which is actually given that we've already raised six million, it seems really feasible. Especially at this point because it looks so great. It's yes. such a great success story. We've got a whole big community behind us and there's a lot of funders who've already contributed. It really gives
0: a lot more funders that it push
1: to support the project.
0: For yourself personally, have you ever been involved in a project similar to this before?
1: This is the largest project that Project Watershed has taken Mm -hmm. on and that I have as well and so it's very exciting. It's a lot of new territory. Uh, We've all been learning quite a lot. Um, It's really exciting and it's great to see it finally take shape and in the next couple years we'll have something really to look back on and then it will continue to grow
0: and everyone will be able to appreciate it as this natural habitat in our community. And speaking of next steps, I know it's, like you said, it's a few years away, but are there any other large projects that Project Watershed will be working on after this or that you're currently working on right now?
1: We've got a host of projects under our belt. We're always busy. (laughs) There's lots to do. Right now we're working on the Glen Urquhart Creek and Millard Creek Watersheds. So those are two watersheds that are actually quite close to the Couscousum area in East Courtney. So we're doing a lot of work revitalizing those streams, planting native species around them, removing invasive species, making deep ponds in areas, connecting wetlands. So those are two big projects that we're working on. As well as we work on coastal restoration of eelgrass, salt marsh, and kelp. That's another big piece of work that we work on throughout the year. As well as forage fish, which are these small fish, schooling fish, the ulekin, or here we have sand lance and Pacific sand lance and surf smelt. And they spawn actually on our beaches. And we didn't know this about, we didn't even know they did this quite a while, like 10 years ago. So we're really researching and finding out more about these and finding out which beaches, beaches in the Comox Valley they spawn on and so that's something that we do we go out to beaches and we sample them and find out if there are fish eggs there these tiny fish the fish eggs there both in the summer and the winter. So that's another project we're doing. There's a lot. (laughs) And it's all on our website. If anyone is interested in joining us or learning more, projectwatershed.ca is a great place to go. We've got tons of material there.
0: In terms of next steps for the rest of this year, after the tree planting, is there much going on until the new year next year? Or is that kind of wrapping everything up for this year?
1: Yeah, so we like to overwinter the site and not do too much when it's really raining. So we'll do that probably sometime in November. We'll wrap the, get the site ready for winter so that it's not too vulnerable for all the rains that we're going to get. And then we'll look back at this project or we'll get back to work on the project in the spring, early spring, February sometime often we start, February or March. And then we'll do another bit of planting in probably April and we'll have thousands of, we we'll probably have another, Let's. 5,000, 6,000 plants to put in next spring, so we'll have lots of opportunities for people to come out and help us plant.
0: Thank you so much. I really appreciate you taking the time and updating us on where the site is going and the next couple of years. Oh, it's a pleasure to be here. Thank you. That's this edition of Off the Page, produced by the Comox Valley Record. Thank you for joining us. If you have suggestions for topics or guests we would like to hear from you, email us at offthepage at comoxvalleyrecord.com. The West Coast Traveler is an adventure in itself with content created by professional journalists and amazing photos provided by our readers. WestCoastTraveler.com is the newest travel network exploring all corners of Western Canada and the U.S. You'll see stunning photos and videos, read engaging travel features from around Western Canada and the U.S., experience all the West Coast has to offer. Begin planning your next adventure. Visit WestCoastTraveler.com.